If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today's guest is Claire Harper. Claire's an all-round instructor or coach. She started a career in the UK and now is specialising in retraining some thoroughbreds off the track into dressage horses. How are you, Claire? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, good. Now, Claire, a favourite quote. Have you got one for us? <laughs> yeah, this is one I've actually got on the number plates around on my ute. Yes. <laughs> this quote. And it says, um, bread may feed my body, but my horse feeds my soul. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and my partner got that for me for my birthday, you know, yeah, the number yeah. plates around. And I said, what made you get that? I said, where did you hear that? He said, you've said it. And I yeah. said, have I? <laughs> and he said, yeah, I'm sure you said something along those lines. He said, and it's stuck in my mind. And he said, I think it sums you up. Um, so that was just really sweet. And, and I think it does sum up my philosophy with horses. So, yeah, if you see a ute with that on the number plate, that's me. That's you. Yeah, so uh, he obviously <laughs> understands you well, but I think really, you know, anyone that's really passionate about horses is just going to completely relate to that saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. and that's what it's all about really in yeah. my view. Claire, how did you start with horses? What are your first memories? Yeah, funny story. I was 19. I don't come from a horsey background. Never rode as a child, never did pony club. I was 19 and my sister-in-law said to me, I'm going riding, she fancy coming. And I'd never been before. Uh, I went along with her. I clearly remember my first few lessons and I remember my first encounter um, with a horse in the stable. I'm six foot tall, so the horse I first rode was 17 hands. Wow. Uh, that's the horse I learned to ride on. Yeah, <laughs> so I didn't go through the pony phase at all. 17 hands straight up. And I remember standing in the stable and shaking. Wow, <laughs> I was scared stiff of this beast. Yeah. yeah. So it just shows you, you know, you don't have to have that background to be in the industry or to learn to ride or to learn to teach. You know, mm. I'd never encountered yeah. horses before in my life, before that day. And a few lessons and I was hooked. My sister-in-law fell off and didn't carry on. Yes. But I obviously carried on for the next 30 years. So yeah. here I am. Yeah. And then you're working with horses. Were you working when you first started to have lessons with horses? What sort of made you start working in the horse industry? Well, I had lessons for quite a while. I I had lessons for about a year and then I bought my own horse. It's quite early on, really. Yep. And then I've had my own horses pretty much nonstop since then, a couple of breaks. But then I um, I kind of thought, people said to me when I when I helped them out with their horses, oh, you've got a really clear way of explaining things. You know, you've really helped me with that. You've given me a couple of tips and they've really worked. You should be an instructor. And I was like, yeah, yeah I can't see that happening somehow. <laughs> uh, I'm just continuing to improve my riding. And I didn't actually take my first instructor's exam until I was, I think I was 45. So I'm what they call a late bloomer. Yeah, yeah. And that's the message I'd give to a lot of people as well about the horse industry. It's not just for young people. Mm, you mm. know, you can start at any age. 
and, and you can qualify at any age. So I qualified as an assistant instructor at the age of 45, 46, I think I was. And so yeah. that's when I started to teach professionally. I'm just thinking, you know, about Bill Roycroft being on the team and if my memory serves me right, he was 65 and they won the gold medal. You know, so at 65 you can win a gold medal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you only place limitations on yourself Mm -hmm. and we do that all too often. And I thought, well, even if I couldn't go into the industry full-time and forever, it's something that I always want to be a part of my life. I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to teach people. I want to be able to train horses. Mm -hmm. And I'll always do it. Mm-hmm. even if I can't do it full-time. So I yeah. have worked full-time in the horse industry and I have worked part-time now and I now work freelance. So I've kind of done it always, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about someone who wants to start off in the horse industry? What sort of core skills and character traits do they need? Depends what you want to do, really, um, because all different personalities and all different core skills and character traits can work in the horse industry. If you're quiet and just love the animals, maybe you want a job that's, you know, just handling the horses and staying away from the people. I totally understand that. <laughs> if you have an affinity with teaching and education, maybe you want to go down the route. I didn't become an instructor. So I think one of the biggest things I'd say about the traits that you need is patience. And you need to, you need to be a quiet person, I think. And by that, I don't mean an introvert. I just mean that you reflect. Yep. And you're willing to learn and you absorb information and you're not always pushing out information. You, you've got to take it on board. You've got to be prepared to be educated and be learning every day. Mm-hmm. And I think having those skills too, because it's all right about always pushing it out, pushing it out, pushing it out, but yeah. the horse will yeah. always give you feedback. And if you're not there to be oh, yeah. prepared yeah. to listen mm-hmm. to the horse, then you're not going to continue yeah. to learn, I suppose. You only need to watch for me. I love watching how a horse reacts to a person. Mm. I don't know what you want to call it, their aura, their style. But I've got a really timid horse at the moment, which yep. I bought from um, the, the doors. And I only have to watch him next to different people with different characters to see how that impacts on him. They don't even have to do anything. It's just body language. It's just their vibe, you know? Yeah. And so that's why I say quietness is really important in somebody that works with horses. That quiet kind of um, authoritative, but quietness that the horse places its trust in you. If you're a very busy, very loud person, uh, it's more difficult, I think, than to get, get involved with horses because at the end of the day, they're flight animals. Yeah, yeah. What's the best thing about working with horses? <laughs> the horses themselves, no doubt about it. <laughs> it's just what they teach you and it's just they humble you or they do me anyway on a daily basis mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you just you're just learning every day something makes you smile something makes me I'm always laughing in my paddocks you know people that walk past my house and think I'm a nut job because they're always doing things that just make me laugh you know yeah, yeah uh, way yeah. more intelligent than we give them credit for yeah. and way more cunning than we give them credit for a lot of the times as well. And I've got some real characters in my paddock. <laughs> and and I think that's the best thing, seeing the different personalities. You know, people that aren't animal people or don't get involved with horses don't understand how they have a huge range of personalities, the same as humans do. And it's getting to know those personalities and just watching them, being happy and healthy just brings me enormous joy every day. I'm very lucky. Yeah. What about people who've influenced you? You think of, um, you know, who the main influence are or just the main couple of people, you know, people who've, you might have made some significant choices because of their influence. Uh, Many years ago, when I was first involved in horses, I saw Monty Roberts. Mm -hmm. 
saw him again only recently, so that's what probably 30 years gap since I first saw him. And uh, his join-up techniques, I use them and they work. And I suppose that has was a massive learning lesson to me in terms of getting a horse to trust you, dealing with an unhandled or a difficult horse. I've dealt with aggressive horses using that technique. So I suppose that left a lasting imprint on me and has done for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. I don't fully understand how it works, why it works. And I have a variation of it now. I've you know, been playing with it for 30 years and I do it slightly differently. But the same principles, the kind of pressure and release with body language. Mm. The horse I just got, as I said to you, I got from the, the dog. I wouldn't have got near him without that technique. You know, there's no way you were going to walk up to him and catch him. That's just not possible. Yep. So unless you've got a technique like that and you talk it, mm-hmm. uh, you can't handle those kind of horses. So that was fantastic. My other hero is Carl Hester. Fantastic horseman. Again, didn't come from a real horsey background. And I've met him and had a chat to him, and he's just the most lovely guy, most humble guy. And you think of what he's achieved in the horse industry, unbelievable. Yep. And also selfless, you know, to, to mentor Charlotte Dujardin like he has and, and give her the ride on Vallegro. What a guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I love the way as well when he picks his horses. He picks them because he likes them. You know, yeah. when he picked Nip Tuck. Mm-hmm. That horse, when you look at it, you think, how the hell does that horse do dressage? You know, a long, gangly thing. And he said he was ultra spooky when he first bought him as well. Yep. Um, but he said, I didn't care. People said he'd never make Grand Prix. I didn't care. Yeah. Oh, I sat on the horse and I could feel something. Yes. And I liked him. So we went to Grand Prix. You know, mm-hmm. and I love mm-hmm. that. And I think it, that's the way you pick a horse as well. You sit on it. Do you love it? Do you have a rapport with it? Yeah, go with it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and even at his level to do that, I think it's fantastic. So, yeah. yeah, I think he's great. He's a lovely guy. Yeah, yeah. Now, you're talking about the horse that you're working with at the moment. Is yeah. he, he Sunderland or you want to talk about a horse who's influenced you, helped you in your career? I think, yeah, probably him. Mm-hmm. What's his name? His name's Redemption. That's what I called him. Yeah. Um, I did buy him the night before he was due to go for me, so I think okay. that's pretty apt. And he's Chestnut, so I've called him Red for short. He's an 11-year-old Australian stock horse who came from Victoria. I don't know what went wrong with him and why it went wrong, but severely mentally screwed up. When he arrived in my paddock, he shook for two days, pretty much constant. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't let anybody go near him. I got near him through using join-up techniques. Now I can handle him. I can pick his feet up, pick his feet out, brush him, et cetera, et cetera. But he's always unpredictable because there's always that element of mistrust. Mm-hmm. He 90% trusts me, but there's 10% that doesn't. Um, and I've had him six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had a saddle on him now. I've got the saddle done up. So things are progressing, but God, has he taught me a lot. Yep. You know, taught me an immense amount. And those Australian stock horses, I've never had one. I'm British. I don't know much about the breed. I bought him because I saw him online and did the stupid thing that everybody tells you not to do. <laughs> I'm just giving <laughs> I'm just giving you money and send me that horse. <laughs> don't process it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was something about him. I just went, no, that horse. My friend actually persuaded me to buy him. She's a terrible influence. She said, you need to look at this horse, Claire. And I said, no, I don't. She said, yes, you do. <laughs> And I bought him and he ended up in my paddock about three weeks later. And I thought I was getting a three-legged donkey, but I didn't care. I looked at his face and I saw these reports that he was shaking in the sale yards and he was shaking when he was at the processing, you know, the meat factory. And I said, nah, that horse has just got to come to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, don't, you know, I don't recommend you do that. 
as a general so just just in exercises you know thinking about just to get him more confident what sort of things are you doing to get him more confident with you yeah so drawing up is a big part of it he has mm-hmm. to learn to come towards me yeah and if he decides to go away from me then I just push him away with some fairly gentle body language mm. but it basically says until you're ready to come and be with me you stay away yep so then he decides it's much quicker now if he comes to me straight away. You mm-hmm. have to do it in a confined space. Don't yep. do it in a big paddock. When I first got him, I had to hurt him with a ute. Yep. Yeah? Because you can't chase a horse down in a big paddock and mm-hmm. try and join up. Don't even try it. So I just got a little paddock space. How big was the paddock? I'm not very good with sizes, but I've got an average size paddock and I created a really small little space with electric fence tape. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to do. Yep. You know, the size yep. around the yard, but mine happens to be square. Mm-hmm. And then I herded him in there with a the ute because you couldn't get near him. And then I put a little body language on him, you know, a little pressure that says, go away until you're ready. Yep. Come and talk to me. As soon as his head drops, his ears start flickering, he starts licking and chewing, take the pressure off and he comes towards me. I, I've got a video actually on my Facebook, I think, that mm-hmm. shows it anyway, if anybody's yep. interested. And then he starts following you. The minute he loses attention, his mind wanders, he decides to go, he goes away again. Mm. So he learns it's much quicker to stay with me and do what I ask. So the first time when you start handling a horse like that, well, I found with him anyway, I didn't hold on to him. No, I wouldn't no. always recommend that. But any pressure on that horse, and he would lose it. So if I put a halter on and held onto it tightly, he was going to run backwards, rear, do all sorts of crazy stuff. If I put a halter on, shortly rope and left him stood there, he had to make the decision. Mm-hmm. And then he started to make the decision that it was much easier just to stand with me, so let me pick up his feet, let me touch him, than it was for him to go away and for me to start the whole drawing up process again. Yep. They're not stupid, especially stock horses. They're really clever. He will now, you know, I can stand in front of him walking backwards by just walking towards him with my body. So then if I walk backwards, he'll follow me forwards. Mm-hmm. If I go around in circles, he'll follow me. Um because he's learned that if he doesn't do that, if he loses his attention, I'll push him away and join up. Yeah. And I think that's kind of how it works. You kind of bore them silly. So they're like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that again. I just want to get this over with and get back out in the paddock and eat. Yeah, he's clever enough to have worked that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know whether he was broken in the past. When I first put a saddle on him, he bronked um, for a good five minutes. So maybe uh-huh. not. Yep. <laughs> okay. That's an indicator that perhaps, perhaps he hadn't been broken. So now we're starting to put a saddle on and see if we can ever get to that stage, whether it'll be safe or not. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would say that to anybody playing with this kind of horse. Yeah, because he's not like a two or three year old, is he? That hasn't been worked, no, exactly. hasn't been handled. No. An eleven year old horse. So there. A, yeah. Yeah. So there's a damn good reason mm. why he was got rid of. Yeah, and you've got to remember that your own safety. You know, I'm not silly around him. Always on alert, always on guard and, and everybody, you know, if you've got a horse like that, you've got to be. And whether he'll ever be safe enough to sit on, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. But it's a journey and I take it a step at a time and if I think a step is safe and mm. he's learned that step, then I progress to the next step. And maybe one day he'll tell me before I get on him, no, that's enough. Mm. And mm. I won't be able to break him. But mm. I'll listen to him and I'll take it as far as I can go safely. Yep. I'm not going to put a foot in the stirrup anytime soon. I'll tell yep. you that much. <laughs> okay. It's at least a month away. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll talk to you after a month and see how you went. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. But as you say, if you're putting the videos on your Facebook page and we'll we'll get those details off you soon. Yeah. 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 Now working with horses like Redemption, who yep. you know, is a bit tricky, an older horse, not just a not not just a young horse, you know, I mean you get get folds that have just born and the, their first handling's a piece of cake, particularly if the if the mare's quiet and then yeah, sure. the more time they get left unhandled, the harder it is. But an eleven year old, it takes takes a while. So is is working with horses like him your proudest moments or what, you know, is there another one that you particularly want to talk about? No, there's probably another one. I think the proudest moment I had was after I passed my assistant instructor exam in the UK. Yep. The sense of achievement that gave me was immense. I think so in the UK it's slightly different, the way you get your qualification. You cannot specialise. So although I ride dressage, I love dressage, to get an instructor and qualification in the UK, you have to jump. Mm-hmm. I didn't jump. Uh, I had done a little bit playing over fences, but I wasn't a jumper. I was a dressage enthusiast. And so at 40, whatever I was, 44, mm-hmm. I had to learn to jump. Yep, yep. <laughs> and so again, a story for anybody who thinks they can't do this. Trust me, you can. It's a bit painful at times, but yes. you can do it. Yep. Um, so I learned to jump at that age. And to get my assistant instructor, I had to jump a metre show jump course mm-hmm. and a metre cross country. Mm-hmm. And never done either of those things and did them on the exam day. So in the UK, you rock up for your exam, you instructor the exam, you've, um, you don't take your own horse, you're not allowed to ride your own horse, you rock up at a centre and you're given a horse. You're given three horses, one for flat work, one for show jump, one for cross country. Mm-hmm. You can do them on different days. I'd already passed my flat work, I passed that fine first time. I knew the jumping was going to be a challenge. Um, first time I attempted my jumping, I fell off in my show jumping round um, and injured myself so badly I couldn't continue. Mm-hmm. Um, so limped home, pretty disappointed that day <laughs> and thought, <laughs> in typical British fashion, they said, can you walk? And I said, yeah, just about. They said, right, bye, we'll see you, and see you another time. <laughs> <laughs> I limped off um, and I hung my head and thought, can I do this again? You know, the horse just refused and I went out the side door, one of those things. They said, if yep. you can continue, we'll pass you. And I said, no, nah, I can't, can't hardly walk. Yeah, so yeah. I'm done today. And so I went back a second time and jumped. First time ever I've jumped a metre show jump course and, and did it. Mm-hmm. And did the cross country. First time ever I'd done a cross country course. I've, I've jumped logs before cross country, but never done metre high fences. And I just thought, this means such a lot to me to get this qualification and this is the only chance I have that I'm going to do it. I cannot come back a third time. I just had a quiet word with the horse, gave him a pat on the neck and said, you know your job, mate. I'm just going to keep the leg on and look like I know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he said, yeah, all right then. And uh, <laughs> we flew around a meeting across country. That's good. I've never done it again. I don't want to do it again. <laughs> but good on you for persisting too, you know, and just, yeah. Yeah. So that day I passed and I was elated from, you know, really having that base of, you know, not having that experience, never competed, never done jumping competitively. So I was just elated that I'd done that. And in the run-up to that, I was pretty much falling off every week because I couldn't get the jump leg position. Uh My friends used to laugh, you know, if I'd have fallen off and I hadn't injured myself, that was a good week. If I'd fallen off and, you know, injured myself, you know, they used to laugh, it was at least once a week. (laughs) <laughs> wow, wow! But I did it, and, yeah. and that's the message to people out there. You know, Just do if it. you want something bad enough, do yeah. it. Yeah, I wouldn't do it now, but you know, that was six years ago. Was that your biggest challenge? Do you think, or you've had other challenges? Uh, I face ch- an ongoing challenge now. 
which may well be my biggest challenge. I've just been diagnosed with scleroderma, which is an autoimmune disease. affects your joints, potentially affects your internal organs, affects your energy levels. So I think, you know, those sort of things are a big challenge. You've just got to kind of steal yourself and think, I'm going to continue to do the things that are important to me, which are my horses, and, and continue to teach. Mm-hmm. And just try and deal with it the best way I can. So, you know. What sort of advice would you give someone else that has got health problems, that is going to be slowed down because of their health problems? What sort of advice would you give them? Yeah, don't kill yourself doing it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Understand your limitations, but also don't be don't be bound by your limitations. Okay. Yeah, don't let them rule your life. You've got to carry on doing what's important to you. Yeah, understand your limitations. And once you've got that, don't be bound. Yeah. Yeah. I was at a lesson the other day with a trainer I go to now called David McKinnon, great guy. And um, I was moaning about my joints or my muscles or whatever. You know, I'm 52. I said, oh, that's right for you, Dave. You're young, whatever. He said, Claire, he said, just get on your horse and ride it to the best of your ability. Yes. And I went, do you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. just shut up and do that, really, don't I? And he went, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's <laughs> so, good. You know, we can make all the excuses under the sun, but as long as they're not doing the horse any harm and we can ride, you know, just get on and do it. Do yep. it to the best of your ability. It doesn't have to be as good as Carl Hester. Yeah, you know, yeah. It just has to be the best you can do. That's right, that's right. Now, thinking about people working with young horses or horses that haven't had a lot of handling or ex-race horses, you know, horses that they've got off the track, What's a common fault that you see? You know, for someone who's just got a horse off the track, let's say, you know, a thoroughbred, they've raced there, all they've learned is just to go in a fairly much a straight line and they want to turn this horse into a dressage horse. What sort of faults, what sort of common misconceptions do they have and how would you go about fixing that? Okay, so the first thing with an off the track is give it some time. So when it first comes off the track, I'm a big believer in the the spelling period. You know, putting them out in a paddock, they do nothing. They don't have to be a horse for six months rather than straight from racing. So that's the first tip, really. Give them time to let down. Mm-hmm. And then, particularly with an X-ray horse, you're right, they've been taught to go in a straight line. Bending is, is very difficult for them. Going in circles is very difficult, so don't expect too much. What you're trying to look at in a race, an X-ray horse as well is them to use their body completely differently. So instead of being hollow under the saddle, you want them to lift the muscle under the saddle and drop their head, lengthen their frame a little bit and lift up through the abdomen. And that's the hardest thing, I think, for the X-ray source. That and contact with the bit, a soft and supple contact because they want to usually grab the bit. Some of them want to go behind the bit, but a lot of them want to grab it and pull it. Mm -hmm. The other thing is to remember they haven't had legs on them. So they sometimes resent the leg to go forward they don't understand it and they resent it so you have to think I certainly think with my x-ray sources as well the quietest aid I can get away with but still get the result is the best way to do it so you might want to when you're teaching them to set the leg not necessarily kick them not necessarily use the leg in the way you would normally on a horse but maybe give them a little push of the seat or a little squeeze from the top of your calf everything nice and quiet and subtle so that you don't freak them out with the contact issues, that's probably something I can't go through in an hour's discussion, do you know what I mean? Mm. But my best advice to you would be to seek an instructor who understands thoroughbreds, and not every instructor does, understands the mechanics and the mentality of a thoroughbred or an ex-racer, which is slightly different um, to your kind of warm blood that's, bought, that's um, bred for the job. 
you have to be able to change the way they use their bodies and you need an instructor that can guide you through that. And that would be my advice is to not try and go it alone if you've not done it before. Yep. Get yep. advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even yeah. if you only have a lesson a month, get the tips and the tools in your toolbox that you need so that when you take that horse home, you know how to start to get them a little bit soft and supple, start to get them coming off your inside leg into the outside rein. And that's a big part of retraining the X-ray source, being able to push them with your inside leg into the outside rein and getting them to drop their nose long alone, lifting through the back. Mm. There's a lot mm. of that to be done before you can even start the more collected work, before you can start to get them into a proper frame, is just building that muscle, particularly under the saddle. Yep, yep. And you're right, because the more often you have lessons, the quicker you're going to progress. Absolutely, yeah. But even if you're getting lessons once a month, you know, take the lessons and learn from them and review them and write them up and if you can get someone to video them. So you're really taking advantage of the time that you spend with your trainer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and whenever I teach, I try and send everybody away with just a couple of things that they can remember because the the problem is when you're writing a lesson, yeah, a lot of things just... You get it while you're there, and then yep. you go, I can't get it while I'm at home. <laughs> so I try and send away with just distill it into a couple of little tips. Try yep. that at home and try that at home. And those are the two things I want you to focus on this week, this month, however long, till your next, les- next lesson. Yep. Remember those two things. Yeah. Because um, sometimes yep. it can be a bit overwhelming. You know, you've got your instructors making adjustments whilst you're riding and constantly making those adjustments, and you can't remember what you were told and when you were told it. You know, and when you get back on your horse on your own, you can't remember when to apply those aids. Mm, and then mm. if you've got a couple of little things you can work on, maybe it's, you know, inside leg to outside rain is, is this week's thing to work on. Yep. And you go away and work on that, you'll get that improvement. Yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing. Don't try and do everything at once, you know. Yes, yes. Just learn some one technique maybe yep. for one week. Go and practice that. Then another technique. And gradually you'll just build up. I see a lot of people get very frustrated very quickly because they want to get to the end end goal straight mm-hmm. away. They want to be able to do everything. How can I learn to make those adjustments when I need to? I say that will come. Mm-hmm. That will come. Just mm-hmm. remember, if your horse is doing this, this is the tool or technique in your toolbox. Yep. And just remember that for this week. If your horse isn't soft and round or it's um, not moving away from the inside, like, this is how to do it. Now remember that. Go away with that. Yep. Yep. And then we'll build, put another building block on that next week. Yes. Yes. And I find that works a lot better. Yep, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, going back, revising that one, going on, building another one and, yeah, and progressing yeah, from yeah. there. Yeah. And the other thing I think as well, which is a bit of an advantage to me as an instructor, I remember learning to ride. A lot uh, of yes. instructors don't remember learning to ride. It was pretty mm-hmm. much instinctual. They learned when they were a kid. I remember not being able to get the rising trot, you know. So I think that helps for me, particularly with adult beginners and adult intermediate riders is I remember the difficulties mm-hmm. and I remember how I learned to overcome most of these things. I've still got a lot to overcome and, and get better at. Yep. But I remember how I learned and what tool and technique somebody gave me mm. to overcome that difficulty. So I think that helps as well. Yep. Is that I'm I'm running off a, a base of knowledge that I can still remember how it felt to get it wrong. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Claire, thinking about training and working with horses, have you got a book for our listeners to complement their training? I don't tend to read books. I'm terrible. I'm so time poor mm-hmm. that I don't generally finish a book. I do like, um, I have a book somewhere which is like 100 schooling exercises. 
Oh, yeah. I yeah, like that's those. good for coaches, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I don't it? have a yeah. particular one. Yeah. yeah. It's not only good for coaches. I use them with my own horses. Yeah. Particularly if you can get the ones that are progressive. So yes. you get these are the horses, these are the exercises for horses at um, preparatory level dressage. Uh, these are the exercises if you want to work your horse from novice to elementary. I like those that have got staged exercises. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Particularly that's, you know, like getting that building block again and going back to the way that yeah, you're teaching exactly. and giving your students something to take away. If you are time poor, a book like that's going to be good so you can pick it up read it, you're about to go, you're there ready to walk out the door and you can go, right, I'll just have a quick look here. Yep, right, that just gives you that, you know, bit of an idea. Yeah. Yeah. And people yeah. lose their way a lot in dresses, especially if you ride on your own a lot. You're like, oh, I'm just riding around the arena. Mm, We've all mm, done it. Mm. And you're not really focused. But if you have an exercise you'd like to achieve with your horse, and that's another thing I like to do in my lessons, give them an exercise they can practice at home with the horse, like yep. whether it be a shape or or two shapes linked together, Yep. take this exercise away because it strengthens this particular aspect of your riding or mm-hmm. your horse. Um, and I do that in my own training. You know, I might go, oh, I really need to get my leg healed better. Let's just have a look at a little exercise. That might help getting the horse stepping under with the hind leg. Let's have a look in the book and find something. Or let's have a look online and find something. Mm-hmm. You know, and the online information you've got now is fantastic isn't it you only have to put in a oh, search for sure. a particular for sure. type of exercise and, mm. and you'll find something you yeah. know or, or a problem you've got and you'll find plenty of solutions yeah so yeah there's a wealth of information out there okay now claire what are you looking forward to i know you're not going to jump on your horse for another month at least <laughs> another bit of, give them a bit of work a <laughs> bit more work but uh what are you yeah. looking forward to at the moment i suppose you are looking forward to it it's just not in the very close future yeah. Yeah, and, and the big thing though is patience. It will come it maybe will come, it maybe won't. So, mm-hmm. you know, we won't I won't worry about that. Um I have my two X races. Yep. Um one of them I'm particularly excited about he's by Lonro, mm-hmm. um, the lovely Ray Stallion. And he's showing quite a bit of talent, I think. So I'm excited about him. Yeah. He's a great horse, mentally really lovely horse, very willing. I teach people on him as well. Uh-huh. So I'm just excited about him. I'll I'll be excited if I get to elementary this year. Okay. That'll be great. Okay. So my goals, you know, I set realistic goals for myself, but that will excite me. If I can get out there and do an elementary test, that'll be great. Great. So that's the one I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to developing those horses and, mm-hmm. and just keeping them happy and healthy and enjoying what it is. Yeah. All right. Is it part of your philosophy, keeping horses happy and healthy? Do you want to yeah. summarise that? Yeah. 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 I'm not an Olympian. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a serious competitor. I do like competing and I compete. Um but it's about the bond I have with the horses. It's about them being willing to work for me and give me their best. I think that's a fantastic feeling when I'm sat on a horse and it tries its heart out for me, tries to understand what I want. Um, it's just fabulous. Mm-hmm. And as long as that keeps happening, I'm totally happy with that. And so that's my philosophy. My philosophy is that somebody who owns a horse, somebody comes to me for lessons, they sit on their horse, their horse enjoys the experience, they enjoy the experience. It's a double thing. It's not yep. just about the rider, it's about the animal too. Sure, sure. Now, Claire, what's your contact details? Uh, I've got a Facebook page. Yep. Claire Harper Equestrian. So that's Claire with an I and an E, because often my friend in Australia, they don't spell it with an I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, my phone number's on there, so you can message me, phone me, text me, whatever. I'm based in NSW, close to Bungendore. That's 20 minutes out of there. Okay, and those details will be in horsechats.com slash 
Claire Harper. If you can't remember the spelling for Claire, you can um, search for Harper and you'll find those details on there as well. All right. Good to um, talk about your journey with your horses, with your uh, 11-year-old sort of um, bit of a wild horse. But we, you know, it'd be good to follow that progress and uh, also, you, you know, your X-ray horses as well. So good to talk to you and hopefully we'll catch up with you again sometime soon. Thanks, Fran. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 